I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Tampa Bay evens the series. L.A. Dodgers still a 65% chance to win the World Series. Those odds are about identical as before the split. So entering Game 3, same odds as entering the entire series. Aftermath in Dallas. Cowboys were three-point favorites at Washington. Now the football team, yes, is favored in some spots. Thursday night football, Giants at Philly. The story with Philly the entire season's injuries. Some people are playing, some players aren't. The money, though, has been on Philadelphia. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Full table around the Wise Guy Roundtable. Steve Fezzik. But Matty Holt, back from his COVID scare. He comes in today and says, 4-0, baby. What does that mean, Matty? Uh, that's the fourth time I've had a COVID test, all negative. Wow. You're like, uh, that's 100%, isn't 100%. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. We're pros. There's one Joe that's my favorite. He's in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got week seven of the NFL kicking off later tonight. Two games into the World Series of 2020. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? Well, let's wrap up yesterday before we move on. I think... We got to look at Tampa Bay evening the series, what it means for the World Series. Yeah, and it was the Rays last night, a 6-4 win over the L.A. Dodgers. Game three coming up on Friday night, but right now the World Series tied at one game apiece. So, Fez, as a pro batter, what did you see? I think the deeper we go in this series, the more it benefits Tampa Bay. I spoke about how the Dodgers have been playing in this field in Arlington the last two playoff series. So I think the Dodgers had an edge game one, and I think that that, that edge is going to mitigate as we move forward in the series. So uh, I would look towards Tampa Bay the deeper we go in the series. Okay, so the theory is Dodgers are familiar with the place. First game, Tampa Bay is not familiar at all. After the first game, they got a game to get familiar, but still Dodgers are more familiar. In every game that passes, that edge becomes less. Yes. Okay. Matty Holt, what do you think? Don't, don't we think that they I, I maybe undervalued the stadium's effect on the totals? We've seen both games so far fly over the totals. This stadium historically has been a launching pad. You know, the Rangers have always given up a ton of runs and down there, and, and we're seeing it so far. Both games over, the first game way over. Yeah, and that roof is open, and that's a huge deal. When the roof closes and you get the air conditioning, then the ball doesn't carry as well. With that roof open, absolutely encourages scoring and more homers. Okay, but... My basic assumption is that the betting market is not stupid. That usually, if I feel like, oh, there's something obvious, 
and it's not being accounted for, chances are there's some reason it's not being accounted for. Maddie, you've booked literally billions of dollars in your prior life as a bookmaker. Now, integrity, usintegrity.com. It's a pretty good name. Don't you think that you're saying, oh, it's not being accounted for? You think everyone's missing it? No, but I also think to start this NFL season, we saw that the books were slow to adjust to the to higher scoring we're seeing due to less penalties and less holding calls. And, and we saw this massive influx of games going over. I think maybe they might be a bit slow to adjust here. The expectations was there'd be about 14 and a half to 15 runs scored, 20 runs, 21 runs scored so far through the two games. And there's two. Okay. So really what you're saying is, and this makes a ton of sense. We're straight out of Vegas. Bookmakers are a certain breed, and they have certain experiences. And one of the experiences they've had is the public thinking, oh my gosh, this umpire has gone over five straight games. He must be an over umpire. And someone else saying, Alabama in the first half has gone, you know, one mm. and covered. And usually the bookmakers sit back, eat pistachios, got a big belly. And they go, okay, okay, it's going to even out. There's a belief that the public overreacts to things and the bookmakers are slow to react, and it serves them well. Would you agree in general bookmakers are skeptical of major changes? Correct. And if there is a major change, it's going to cause them to be slow to react to that too. Agreed. So the trick is, is there something maybe of 10 changes that people might think are true, maybe only one are true, but if you can identify that one, because of the other nine, the bookmakers are going to be slow to react. Yes. Okay. And this is an example. And then with the roof, you're saying history tells us even more so that overs that there's a propensity to scoring in this venue when the roof is open. Yes. So what's game game uh, three's totals? What does it look like? It's at seven and a half. So okay. game one was seven and a half. Game two was eight. Now we're back to a seven and a half despite two games flying over their totals. Okay. Now the pitcher, we got the ace going for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, oh. we got Bueller and Morton. So we got two real fine pitchers. Okay. So what we're saying is we had almost pitcher by committee for the Dodgers yesterday and it was eight. Now it's going down to seven and a half. So it feels like, well, I guess game one had some good pitchers too. So yeah, that was a great matchup yeah. pitching on game one. So in general, it doesn't feel like the market is reacting to the two overs. Correct. And you guys are saying there's history to say these numbers are low. Yes. All right. Well, this is almost Jonas like a to be continued. Tomorrow, the, right before the game, we'll see what the odds are and maybe have a pick on it. What did you think as a fan, Jonas, of the game two? I think that both team, both despite Tampa Bay winning the game, I think both fan bases should feel good about where they're at just from this standpoint. If you're the Dodgers, that vaunted bullpen that was given all sorts of trouble to all sorts of teams throughout the course of the year, the Dodgers actually were able to, to knock them around a little bit. So that's got to give you some hope that the later the series goes, the more you're going to see those guys, the better you're going to feel about your chances. And if you're Tampa Bay, your bats finally woke up, you finally had some offensive production, and they got some guys who had been a little bit cold as of late going, so I think it's going to add to the excitement and Game 3 is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, I'm not the type that understands baseball today uh, to the point of like judging bullpens and stuff. Would you say that the bullpen guys that they used, the Dodgers yesterday, was that the best of them, or did it feel like they were holding back some people? 
the only guy the Dodgers I think held back was Urias, and I and that's because they're going to make him. I believe it's the game four starter. He's going to be starting game four, but he was the guy that came in in game seven against the Braves as sort of the shut down the rest of the game guy for L.A. We haven't seen uh, Kenley Jansen didn't pitch last night. Uh, who knows what his status is and whether or not Dave Roberts is going to continue to trust him. He did pitch well the past couple outings against Atlanta, but it felt like Tampa Bay rolled some of their best guys out there and the Dodgers had some success. So, All right, so the wrap for me, I always like to look at the series odds, look at the percentages. Fez, you can give me the actual lay prices here in a second. So before the series, the odds were about 66% the Dodgers would win. After a split, the odds are 65%. So literally, and it's, that's kind of unusual because usually if you're the underdog and you win one of two, your odds improve a little bit. Yes. Now, some of that has to do with the home field and there is, you know, where typically that split would have happened in the better team's mm-hmm. ballpark. Does that feel right to you, Fez? Because I guess it's also who's pitching, right? Because if you use up your two best pitchers and the other team didn't, but they're pretty much saying we're pretty much where we started. The first two were warm-ups, and now we've got a best of five at the same odds as the best of seven. Yes, and here's what's going on. The Dodgers made the decision not to start Walker Bueller in game two, so they they went ahead and pitched a reliever, and the Dodgers didn't put their best foot forward in game two, whereas Tampa pitched two of their best pitchers games one and two. But Tampa has more good pitchers, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. You know, one thing that's interesting, too, is these two teams haven't played all year long, so the the pitchers usually have an advantage when the batters haven't seen them. So as the series progresses, we might see more hitting also. And it's still going over, even with that advantage of the lack of familiarity of the hitters. And what is the lay price right now? Dodgers in the series minus 200. Risk 200 to win 100. Okay, that's straight out of Vegas's report in the World Series. Jonas, I think, let's take a look at the Cowboys. We talked a lot about the Cowboys. I dug into the box score and I think things look even worse for the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys, after an ugly loss on Monday Night Football that's been picked apart by everybody throughout the past couple of days and a tough season, find themselves at Washington on Sunday. And courtesy of pregame.com, this line is a pick em right now. Yeah, and there's even places that Washington is favored. And literally, I mean, consensus pick em, even favored in a spot or two. And literally a week ago, or less, last Saturday, Washington was a three-point underdog. So the line is adjusted about three points. Now, i got to be honest, Washington didn't do anything to make me excited about them. So this is just a downgrade on the Cowboys. Fez, does that feel right? You usually don't downgrade a team more than a point. Yes, and I actually downgraded the Cowboys two points, and that is a massive adjustment with the same quarterback going, and obviously based upon such a horrible performance in really what should have been a good spot against Arizona. So I put this out on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Starting with their fifth drive against Arizona, Dallas gained 30-plus yards on five straight drives and scored a total of three points. That's almost impossible. I mean, think about that. You're getting 30-plus yards. If you look at the yardage, they gained 30, 50, 33, 35, and 70. And he scored three points. So as much as we say Andy Dalton got blown, this feels like, and obviously there's some fumbles, and it feels like that on the offensive side, you shouldn't downgrade Dallas too much. Turnovers 
happen, right? And, and it wasn't like Andy Dalton was throwing horrible interceptions. Fez, you look at those, you look at the end game numbers, you look at the, the that drive chart. It feels like the score was deceiving, at least when it comes to Dallas's offense being poor. Yeah, I agree. And the Zeke fumbles you referenced in the first half really hurt them. What also hurt them is that Dallas is down to their two backup tackles, and they. Well, but if that's the case, then how do they have? I mean, I know that's been your thing you've been saying, but we're not on autopilot here. When were those tackles hurt? When did they replace? Because I'm looking at. The drive chart. I'm saying Dallas moved the ball. Yeah, they did, and they've been and they moved the ball all year long with this makeshift O line. It's actually pretty remarkable. Now on the other side, the defense, it's horrible because if you look at the score, it was like 28 to three very early after Arizona's first drive of the second half. They got the ball, scored. It was 28 three. So like 25 minutes left in the game. And it's 28-3. Usually from there, and you do a ton of in-game batting, Arizona's not going to do much scoring. Typically. Exactly right. Run the clock, manage the game, get out with the win. If you look at the end of the game, Arizona was driving the ball. They, I, they only had like four more drives the whole game. And on three of them, they scored. So think about that. You go up 28-3, to and you have four more drives, and you're scoring three of them. And they weren't, like, trying really hard. It wasn't like they were doing flea flickers. Dallas's D just gave up, it looked like. It did look that way. When you, when you were watching the game, Jonas, did you sense a lack of effort on the Dallas D? Yeah, it looked like Arizona was running up the score without trying to run up the score. I, they, and, that's, and that is an indictment of how bad that defense is. It's one thing if you're playing really hard and you're just not good enough. But the fact of the matter is, it looked like they were ready to fold up pretty early on in that game. And Arizona just had their way with them. That is, I mean, that's where a fan's perspective comes in. Because I'm looking at the stats and it tells me that. Jonas is watching the game and saying, that's what I saw. To me, that's a double whammy against Dallas, at least their defense. Fez, what's the total this week in that Washington game? And think on that a second, or as you get that, any thoughts on the Cowboys, Matty? Yeah, I, I think, look, a lot of people that I trust with, you know, the the kind of insider football people say the problem on defense is Mike Nolan, and mm-hmm. that the only reason he was even hired was a favor by McCarthy, because he hired McCarthy in the past, and uh, you know, a lot of people say there's a reason he was out of football so long, and that this has been maybe one of the worst coordinator hires in a very long time. Yeah, I've heard that somewhere. I think you're right. Total is sitting at 46, which is a below average total this year. Wow, that looks low for a Dallas game, but it looks very high for a Washington game. Well, that's the thing with Flipper. I don't know if you noticed, Jonas. <laughs> Flipper had a fumble. He did. <laughs> uh, it it kind of was important, wasn't it? Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how many people were just thinking, that RJ, man, how did he know that? Or how many, how many were singing? He'll lose you a cover faster than lightning. But I tell you, Fez, fumbles cause points. 
But, right? I mean, either if you strip someone and they return it for a touchdown, that's a good, pretty good. Especially when you're the quarterback and you're 10 yards behind everybody else and you keep getting strip sacked like you did against the Giants, giving up the game-winning touchdown. And that's something people don't realize is they think, oh, he fumbles, he throws interceptions. That's bad for scoring. And it's actually good for scoring, especially if they do it in the right spot. Okay, when we come back, there's been a big change on this Sunday night football. We believe it's going to affect how the game is played. That's coming up next, but first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone is America's number one battery destination. No matter what battery problems you're dealing with, you can find your battery solution at AutoZone. Next time you're having starting trouble, start at AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone. AutoZone. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get into a major change on the NFL schedule this Sunday. What a day to join. We got a full house roundtable, Matty Holt, and not one best bet. Not two, three best bets, including a prop on Thursday Night Football, the UFC main event, and the big college basketball game in the Big Ten. All best bets, and it's only Thursday. No wonder, fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We will keep working to make this the best football season yet. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas or RJ Bell. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 88 degrees, the neon is pumping. So, RJ, because of the Raiders having multiple players, including four starting offensive linemen on the reserve COVID-19 list, there had to be a change made to Sunday Night Football. Originally, it was Tampa Bay at Las Vegas. Right now, though, it has been switched to Seattle at Arizona. And on pregame.com, the Seahawks are a three-point favorite. So here's the question. That sounds like we're reading the back of the USA Today. It's like, who cares, RJ? Who cares, Joan? It's just because you have those beautiful tones in your voice. That doesn't mean we <laughs> want to listen to anything you say. Well, we got a theory here. We think this changes the handicap. So, as Jonas said, Seattle is about a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Arizona. Matty Holt, you believe this affects the game itself. Yeah, because the amount of parlay, so Sunday night and Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night, but especially Thursday night and Sunday night tend to be the big parlay builders early in the week at this point. And what you'll see is a lot of parlays will end Sunday night with uh, the Sunday night game. And you say, well, why isn't Monday night initially more popular than Sunday night? It's because people that don't necessarily play in the regulated sports betting marketplace yet, they're, most of their weeks with their bookie are Monday through Sunday. It's not. So Sunday is the end of your week. Thus, these Sunday night parlay accumulators are really strong. And Seattle, a very public team, one of the most popular quarterbacks in the NFL with Russell Wilson, combined that with the fact that they're undefeated and a high-scoring team. And there's going to be a lot of parlays, including the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, so for the for the um, innocent out there, and remember, sports bettors listen for the money, but sports fans to know more than their buddies. About half our audience doesn't even bet. And we love that because we think there's so much more that you can learn from the batting odds and the handicappers because they got their it's cold cash over hot takes. When we're wrong, we lose money. 
you might say, well, settle up, what does that mean? And Jonas may be aware of this, I'm not sure, is if you're betting with a bookie, oftentimes it will be you'll have a settle-up figure. It might be a thousand bucks, two thousand, whatever is a reasonable amount based on the amount you're betting. And then if you win three hundred or lose three hundred, you don't even bother to meet the guy, and then you reach the settle-up figure. Now what ends up happening is, and that's either you make go get the money or you go pay the money. What people will do is, let's say their settle-up is a thousand. Either way, they're down fourteen hundred. <laughs> Guess what their bet is on, on the last game before? Oh, about $450, because they don't want to pay. And if they're up somehow 400 they want to bet 600 to reach the saddle up. So that is something not to do, <laughs> but it's something most bettors do. And so Maddie's saying, because some... Now, I always, I mean, hypothetically, statute of limitations, in which I would have saddle-ups, it was always Tuesday. That's interesting. What percentage, Fred's, again, we know that you're a waste management consultant, but what percentage would you say, that in your experience, have been settle ups on Monday versus Tuesday? 70% Tuesday, 30% Monday. Yeah, but still, there's a lot of those Sunday ones, or, or I'm sorry, Monday ones, which means the Sunday night's the last game, but also it's a huge game. Yeah. It's Sunday night. You know, 60 minutes is over, you're watching the game. <laughs> and, and to me, it means more public money. And because of that public money, a team like Seattle, the chance of them going up to four, let's say, increases because the people betting them, mm-hmm. the, the universe of betters, change and are more public. I have a real strong lean on Arizona right now. Might be one of my picks tomorrow. I also think this. Going to Sunday night feels like a graduation of sorts. If you're Arizona... You're like we've been we've been selected, we've been tapped. It's got to increase the excitement as much as they're going to be up anyway for Seattle. Seattle, this is like another thing, right? It's like if um, Gottlieb, they say, hey, you want to come on and talk some college basketball? He's going to be like, yeah, okay, no big deal. He might shave, he might not. Fez, you say, hey, they want to bring you on Fox and talk college basketball. He'd be like, uh-oh, I better learn something about college basketball. <laughs> but then additionally, True. you would be shaving, you would be thinking about moisturizing your face. Arizona is moisturizing their face in this analogy, excited about this game. I think it helps them. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with you. And super excited off of the Dallas win. And now they can go ahead and parlay this into a primetime, perhaps, victory. The one concern about Arizona Three straight road games, and they significant travel in all three. They'd been to the East Coast twice, and then to Dallas, and now they have to play Seattle. So I think this is going to. I'm gonna confused. Ha- They're at home, right? They they just had three straight on the road. So uh, yeah, but wouldn't the third one on the road be the one they suffer more than when they come home and rest? Well, the question is, when they finally come home after that long road trip, a road trip, oh, road trip, know, road hold trip. Hold on, hold on. You're not going to talk about like having to go get like the kid cough syrup, <laughs> are you? I mean, I think it. Are does. you really going to do that? I was. You got to realize that everyone doesn't have your pathetic life. I mean, where they're doing errands on the way home. I mean, honestly, you think these NFL players are, are, are going and taking out the garbage? Hey, that garbage's been piling up when you've been making millions on the road. <laughs> they're meeting with their agent, they're doing things that players do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. That's not the only game this weekend. And what we want to do, because Maddie wasn't here yesterday, is kind of go over the biggest games. And 
Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Jonas, is right at the top of the list. Yeah, it's a battle of unbeatens between the Steelers and the Titans. And right now on pregame.com in at Tennessee, it is the Titans a one-point favorite over the Steelers. So this game has been bat Tennessee pretty heavily, whereas just even 24 hours ago or a little bit before that, Pittsburgh was the favorite. Maddie, you have any sense of, of what's driving this? Because Tennessee has been a team the public – or at least the professional betters haven't been impressed by, and their record has been good, but they haven't got a ton of betting support. I think some of it has to do with the coaching. People are really starting to love it with, fall in love with Rabel, and we saw it again last week where he intentionally took that too many players on the field penalty in order to, to gain the extra clock. And um, I, I think more and more people, as they start to watch that kind of stuff, start to appreciate how good of a coach he is, how much the players appreciate playing for him, and they're coming around on them. What really strikes me in this game, though, Pittsburgh, number three in the NFL and opponents' yards per play allowed. Tennessee, 28th. These two defenses on vastly different tracks right now. Yeah, and that's the whole thing with Tennessee. They have a reputation as a really you know, well-coached running team, but their defense is bottom five. In the league, yes, statistically, yeah, and their and and their offense is outstanding. And we talked about it a little bit last week, right here on Straight Out of Vegas. Is Tannehill is I don't know top five quarterback. I mean, if we look at from statistically again from the time he took over the starting job. You got him, what, number seven, Fez? I do, and he's number four in QBR this year, and he was number nine last year. So he's put together back-to-back really good years. I think, well, but it doesn't feel like the betting marketplace is too behind on this, meaning that, what's the total in this Pittsburgh game? No, nah, never mind. No 50 big. and a half. Yeah, okay, thanks. Is, um, hey, Mackenzie, can you run out here? Jonas got disconnected. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's here, but we don't have his visual. All right. So, why don't we do this? Why don't we transition? You've got a best bet on college football, and I haven't really been following college football that much. So, Maddie Holt, help us. So the Big Ten opens up, uh, finally opens up their season this week, and I'm going to go with the Nebraska Cornhuskers here on the road in Columbus at Ohio State, catching 26 points. The thing I like about Nebraska here is when, you know, when the Big Ten originally canceled their season, Nebraska was the one team in the Big Ten that said, no, we're going to play. We're going to look to try to put any schedule together we can. And they started holding, you know, uh, the the team rallied together. They started holding uh, meetings and practices. They were unanimous united in the fact that they were going to play and I think that's going to mean a lot here and I you know everyone just expects that Ohio State with the star players that they have is going to come in and just immediately light the world on fire but as we as we've seen in college football this year continuity means something the the expectation that both teams could be rusty could be you know really prevalent here and four touchdowns is a lot okay so 26 is the number I'm saying do you feel like maybe because of your handicap, the way to bet this game is Nebraska first quarter, Nebraska first half? I like that. Because Possibly. It, because it feels yeah. like that whole we're excited about the game and the season. If you're down 20, you know, 24 in the second half, th- couldn't that reverse itself? Couldn't that make you upset? Like you're so disappointed that you kind of – I don't think being excited about the season makes you fight hard down 28, let's say, whereas it might cause you to come out hot 
as a pistol and it be a good thing early. Yeah, I agree. And especially, I think they're going to have continuity early where they didn't have the, all the players opting out that some of these other schools did. And, you know, they have their entire team intact. And I think they're going to come out firing. Okay, so you got a first half line on that, Fez? Yeah, plus 15. And, you know, I got to say, I saw a seven and a half on that first quarter. I like that. Okay, because remember now, there's a simple math equation of saying, okay, if it's 26, it's going to be this and this. But you love it when it's above the key number. So here, seven and a half, that sounds great, right? Because you're saying, well, four times seven is 28. It's only 26. And I'm getting over the half, which means effectively it's almost like getting plus nine and a half. Because not many games, some will, but not many will end eight or nine. And being plus 14 and a half at halftime is also attractive because that's a key number, 14. So between those two, which one would you like better? Uh, first quarter plus seven and a half. Okay, now do you want that to be your pick or you want it to be for the game? I want it to be first half. Uh, oh, for first half? Yeah, just because for first quarter, I'm not sure they get the ball first in the game. But so, first half, I think they can hang within two touchdowns. So what you're saying is, and this is an interesting point, there's a randomness to who gets the ball first, and that so dictates who's going to win the first quarter. Correct. If you like your handicap, you'd rather take away the luck factor. Yes, and go first half. You like that, Fed? I do. All right, we'll call this the round table special. <laughs> now, if you like Nebraska in the game, yeah, we do too. I think at halftime, the first half bet plus 14 and a half Nebraska. As a Buckeye alum, I can still endorse it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I think best bet, that's enough for Matt. No. Another best bet, plus it's going to be on UFC, so that means Jonas is going to have to jump in with his expertise. <laughs> be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. I'm always skeptical. I'm always apprehensive when a guest brings in his own music. But Maddie Holt said when he does his best bet, he wants this to be his theme, so I'm just going to play it and, and hope for the best. Wow. Uh-oh. Step into the spotlight. Boy, you got a grandiose view yourself, don't you, man? Yeah. Best bet, UFC. I'm going to go with the main event, UFC 254, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje under four and a half rounds. Justin Gaethje, four-fight win streak, all by knockout. In fact, his last nine wins are all by knockout. He has never gone to the judges' scorecards ever in the UFC. Both, he got finished in both of his losses. He hasn't gone to the judges' scorecards since 2014 against Melvin Guillard when he was fighting uh, back in World Series of Fighting. Khabib Nurmagomedov men off here uh, fighting for the first time since the passing of his father. His father not only his trainer but really the trainer for that whole gym. So I think that could leave him vulnerable in the stand-up somewhere where he was always going to be vulnerable anyway. This this is a tale of two finishes. If Khabib gets this fight to the ground, Justin Gaethje will not be able to handle him and will likely get submitted. But if Justin Gaethje can keep this fight standing, his record shows he's likely to get a knockout on the field. I'm going under four and a half rounds. Okay, so you got to lay low extra there. What, 190 sounds fair? Yeah, I think I laid 175, but it's been trending that direction. Okay, now remember now, even though you're a guest, we're never allowed. I thought it was like right around now, still 175. Uh, It's probably in that range. We always try to be extra generous. We don't want people not getting the number that they want. So, Jonas, what's your take on this? 
Yeah, and one of the things, I, I agree with Maddie, and one of the things to keep an eye out for, Justin Gaethje is known for leg kicks, in particular calf kicks, which are really debilitating, especially if you're a wrestler who's trying to explode and get the fight on the ground. The longer it stays up, I think advantage Justin Gaethje. And the only reason that his last fight out wasn't stopped sooner is because there's so much respect for Tony Ferguson. But if you actually watch that fight throughout, Gaethje butchered him on the stand-up, and Gaethje's also got a wrestling background so if he is able to get to the legs of Khabib I do expect him to be able to stuff at least a couple of takedowns if that's the direction the fights go and so I think that plays into Gaethje's hands Wow, Maddie. I mean, he can go weeks and not talk UFC and boom, boom, boom. Great one-two punch. Maddie hold under four and a half rounds. Minus 180, we'll call it. When we come back, Thursday Night Football Plus, there's something about Belichick you've never heard anywhere else. You cannot bet this game, New England, without knowing it comes when we come back. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., week seven in the NFL kicks off later on tonight, 8.20 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. It is the Giants at the Eagles. And right now on pregame.com, we have seen some movement over the last half hour to 45 minutes. The Eagles have gone from four and a half point favorites to a minus five on pregame. We told them the headlines, Jonas. Money on Philly. It continues Some of that, Fez, I think, driven by some players injured are back. Now, they've lost some players, but back Lane Johnson and Deshaun Jackson. Now, Deshaun Jackson's over-under for receiving yards is only 39-and-a-half. So, yeah, back, but not all that impressive. What's your general take on the game? Yeah, Eagles still only have four starters playing tonight based upon their week one starters. So they've lost seven of the 11 starters, and I think the losses were so significant last week, they lose Zach Ertz, who's getting targeted like crazy, and the running back, Miles Sanders, he's number one in the league. He's been averaging six yards per rush, a huge loss that they lost their running back. You know what's so funny, Jonas, is whoever says a stat on here when it's these two, it's the opposite person (laughs) that came up with it. How did you just say that stat? You didn't hear him say that, Matty Holt say that he was going to use that? Uh Uh-oh. Did you, I mean, like, what were you thinking? Dirtiest player in the game. (laughs) Go ahead, Matt. Along with the 6.1 <laughs> yards per rush this season for Miles Sanders. Number well, I, one among, I don't know where I heard that before. Yeah, I know. Number one amongst all running back is Zach Ertz tonight, who's not only the heart and soul of that team, but 45 targets this year. Next closest, number two on the Philadelphia Eagles, 34. Ertz leads the team in receptions. That's a big loss. That's a big one-two punch to lose tonight. Number one running back, number one receiver. You want to take his prop back from him? <laughs> yeah, no. All right. Fez has a prop. That's bad. Stop on Daniel Jones under 228 pass yards. The Giants are just not passing as much. The first three games of the season, they threw the ball two-thirds of the time, and Daniel Jones averaged just under this number. But the last three games, Daniel Jones has been handing the ball. The Giants have been running almost half of the time, and Daniel Jones has only been averaging 171. I am on Daniel Jones under 
228 pass yards. Well, it's interesting. If you look at the Giants to start the season, this is their point total. 16 against Pittsburgh, 13 against the Bears, 9 against the 49ers, 9 against the Rams. Last two, when they haven't been thrown as much, 34 against the Cowboys, and even 20 against Washington. So the team has actually gotten better as Daniel Jones hasn't thrown. And as you said, under is your pick. Under passing yards, 228 and a half. Yes. Okay, one quick thing. Bill Belichick versus former quarterbacks. Now, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Original pregame.com research. This is pretty amazing. When he's played a quarterback, Belichick, that he used to coach, the Patriots are 11-3 and against the spread. And the over-unders, four overs, 10-unders. So these tend to be really low-scoring games, and Belichick has covered... 80% of the time this week. Let me think. Jimmy G. Oh, yeah. Belichick knows a little bit about him. And by the way, the defense of the Patriots in those games have held the opponent to under 14 points per game. That's six points less than Vegas expected. So the Belichick factor, you could say, is about minus six per game. I like the Patriots, but we'll see all the likes tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show, including multiple best bets on Thursday night football, the UFC and college football, check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are straight out of Vegas back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 